Welcome to this edition of Community Associations Institute's podcast. My name is Tony Campisi, Executive Director of Community Associations Institute's Pennsylvania and Delaware Valley Chapter. This episode is the third of our three-part series on alternative dispute resolution. In the first episode, we talked about ADR. In the second, we discussed the five things you really need to agree on for ADR to succeed. And in this third and final part of our series on alternative dispute resolution, we'll be discussing how ADR actually works. I'm pleased to welcome back Toby Oxholm, the secretary of the Lakeview Estates Homeowners Association in the Pocono Mountains, and a member of CAI through his business, Just Resolutions, a provider of alternative dispute resolution services. Toby also joined me for the first two podcasts in this three-part series on ADR. Welcome back, Toby, and please share with our audience a bit about your background. Thanks, Tony. It's good to be with you again. Um, I graduated from Harvard Law School in 1979 and began my legal career working as a trial lawyer in a big Philadelphia law firm that's now called Deckard LLP and as a volunteer lawyer for poor people with community legal services, doing what's called pro bono work. Um, I spent a total of 17 years in private practice, uh, most of it uh, in commercial litigation trial work on contract-related matters and relationship issues. I represented plaintiffs and defendants equally, pretty much both, arguing on both sides and always in court or mediations or arbitration, arbitrations and I have been an arbitrator and a mediator for probably 20 years. In my legal career, I also served as Chief Deputy City Solicitor for the City of Philadelphia for about five years, and for about six or seven years as General Counsel of Drexel University, meaning I was their top lawyer for all litigation and corporate and business stuff. After all that, I was promoted to Executive Vice President of Drexel University, then I became President of Arcadia University, and I finished my academic career as Executive Vice President of Rowan University in South Jersey, from which I retired in the summer of 2016 to our lovely home in Goldsboro. Um, and it's there that I'm now doing ADR, alternative dispute resolution, mediations, arbitrations, and other things, helping people stay out of the courts that I came to know so very well. So Toby, in the first podcast, we went over what ADR is in general terms and the different kinds of alternatives that people can use to break down a problem into smaller parts and then resolve them. In the second podcast, we learned that people could just shake hands and agree to use ADR, but that it's smarter to get down a bit deeper and make some important strategic decisions before you start. So now in this third podcast, we're going to talk about how ADR actually works. So tell me, how does it work? <laughs> well, we're going to spend most of our discussion today talking about the two biggest kinds of ADR that people know about, arbitration and mediation, since uh, that's what people want to know about. But let's start off at the very beginning. With the disagreement? Yeah, right. A disagreement that the two sides are just not getting anywhere trying to resolve by themselves. It's an issue that's important. It's so important to one side or the other, or both, that they're just not going to let it drop. Or as I learned in an earlier podcast, we're already in a lawsuit. It's been going on and on and on. Uh, we're paying lots of money. We're getting nowhere. And we just want to be done with it and move on. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And at some point, someone says, hey, look, we're getting nowhere on this, and I, I just want it to be over. Would you be willing to consider a different way of getting this decided? Well, it sounds easy enough. Uh, for some folks. It's, but for others, it's really hard to say that because they think it's a sign of weakness, and they don't want to show the other side and let them think that, you know, you're going to give in. It's really not a sign of weakness, but you don't want to send a wrong signal. So you start off by asking the other side an open-ended question. 
would you be willing to consider a different way to get this decided? You're probably going to get the answer, maybe, what do you have in mind? And how you answer that question, what do you have in mind, is really important. If you say, well, we want to go to arbitration, or we've decided mediation would be better, say either of those two things and you can bet the other side will reject the idea simply because it's your idea and your opponent will think that you're recommending it because it's better for you. So what do we do? How do we start? Well, the idea is to get a discussion started. A discussion. Start off by sharing what you know about ADR because the other side probably doesn't know anything about it. Let your answer be something like this. Well, I don't have a specific proposal to make, but there are alternatives we can talk about. The other guy will probably say, like what? And then you've got them in a discussion about the process and not about the end result. Which is why we're going to talk today about the process, about what actually happens in mediation and arbitration. Right, right. So let's start with the big picture. Arbitration is like a mini-trial, with the big difference being that you pick who your judge is going to be. It ends with that person, <clears throat> called an arbitrator, issuing a decision. Mediation is completely different. Mediators don't make any decisions at all. Mediators just help the two sides come up with solutions that they can agree to. I got it. So let's do mediation first. Okay. A mediation is like going to a meeting. You can meet in your community lodge or in a lawyer's office or really anywhere you want. Pretty much all you need is two rooms where you can have private conversations. A mediation starts off with everyone being in the same room and going over the rules that everyone's probably agreed to already. But it's important that everyone start off on the same page with an agreement. Rules, like everything in mediation, they're confidential. No one is allowed to tell uh, what anyone said during the mediation. Right, right. And that's by far the most important rule, confidentiality. And we talked about that in an earlier podcast. But there are other important rules, too. Like, there's not any agreement about anything unless it's in writing and signed by everyone. Uh, other typical ground rules are that you can ask for a break at any time, you identify who's going to be the principal talker for each side, and that you can always go off by yourselves and talk with your team or your lawyer. You said your team. You mean that it's not just a one-to-one? -one? You can have several people there? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really important that you get everyone there who has a say in whether or not the dispute can be settled. In a homeowner dispute with management, for example, one homeowner might not feel confident that she could do it by herself, so she's allowed to bring some other neighbors with her. A community manager might want to have the president of the board there. And if the manager's not there, the board might want to have two or maybe three of its members there. You don't want too many cooks, but you can surely have more than one. Well, that's a good point. I didn't think of that. Yeah, the, the whole idea in mediation is to come up with, with, is to make everyone comfortable and to be creative in coming up with possible solutions. So bringing a couple people is often the best thing you can do. But you have to choose carefully. You don't want to bring someone who's just not willing to compromise. So do I tell the other side who's coming? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, surprising the other side just makes them uncomfortable or defensive or angry. You'll be sending a signal to the other side when you name the participants. That's another reason to be really thoughtful when you put your team together. And another reason to tell them in advance who's coming is that you need to be sure the room is big enough and there's enough water for everybody. Got it. So you're in the room uh, with your team and your lawyer. You're allowed to bring your lawyer, right? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And the mediator begins by going over the rules with everyone, and we've all agreed on them. Right. Then what happens? Okay. So experienced mediators don't have a one-size-fits-all approach. They'll vary how they start things off depending on what they've already learned about the dispute. Wait a minute. So how does the, how does the mediator know about the dispute already? All right. 
Um, so you'll have to listen to the second podcast again to get the full explanation. But because the mediator isn't making any decisions, each side is allowed to talk to the mediator in advance. That can really help the mediation <laughs> go faster because then the mediator knows where the problems are and he can do some advanced planning about the best way to attack the sticking points. Okay, got it. And if the mediator knows a lot, she might start off by summarizing, summarizing a few key points and getting everybody in the room to agree with them. That's really helpful because it means the two sides are starting the day off by agreeing. Then the mediator will pick one topic and begin there. But if the mediator doesn't know much, then the mediator will typically start off by asking both sides to talk about what, from their own perspective, are the problems and what they hope to get out of the mediation process. And how long do they have to do that? Well, it's really up to the mediator, and usually there's been some kind of agreement about that before it starts. But sometimes the longer one side talks, the more things get said that might be negotiated, more openings might cre cre be created. So the mediator will keep a list of points to come back to. I can also see the other side getting angrier and angrier, having to yeah. sit there just yeah. listening to the other side say things that aren't true. Yeah, that, that does happen a lot. And since everyone's in a, agreed in advance not to interrupt, they do just have to sit there and take it. Uh, but there's no reason to get angry because the mediator's not going to be persuaded and isn't going to end up making a decision. So there's really no harm, no foul. Uh, instead, the listeners take notes, too, and think about ways to discuss the points that are so important to the other side. Now, it may be to explain what really happened and show that there was just a simple misunderstanding. But more often than that, the side that talks second usually uses their time to explain why they did what they did. So the one side talks, and then the other side gets to ask questions? No, that's, that, that's not typically what happens. Sometimes the mediator will ask a few questions just to clarify something that one side was said. But the other side doesn't get the chance to ask questions quite yet because it would kind of put the first side on the defensive. Instead, the side that did the listening now gets the chance to talk. They can talk about the things they heard and give their side of it, but they can also talk about other things that are upsetting them. When they're done talking, the mediator can ask clarifying questions of them also? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then the mediator could do a few things. She can ask the first side if they'd like to say anything to respond to anything the second side said, like clarifying a point. Or the mediator can just pick one of the topics that came up and start the discussion there. And every, everyone will then talk about that topic. Right, right. Uh, the mediator will try to keep everyone talking and help guide them towards possible agreements. He or she will write down what agreements are made, but if they get to the point where they're not making any more progress, the mediator will shift the discussion to a second topic. And she'll keep doing that for as long as they're making progress. And once the two sides stop making progress, the mediator will typically call a halt to it, split the meeting up, have one side go into the other room so each side can meet separately. The mediator will then start meeting with one group, then with the other group, coming up with possible ideas, and then talking, taking them uh, from one side to the other. It's, it's kind of like a game of tennis, with a mediator being the ball going back and forth. But uh, unlike tennis, it's going to take a while for that ball to come back to you. There can be times when the mediator is with the other side for 10, 20, 30 minutes. And that can be really frustrating if you don't understand what's going on. So people have to know to come to mediations with a book or an iPad or a newspaper or something so they just don't start fidgeting and getting upset. Why does it take so long? Well, first the mediator is sharing only what he or she's been allowed to say. 
What gets said to the mediator by side one in the room by themselves is confidential. She has to be given permission to share particular information with side two, so the mediator has to be very careful. There might be questions that need to be answered, or there might be settlement offers to be conveyed. The mediator takes, talks all that through with side two. Side two then comes up with what it wants to say back to side one, and the mediator then heads back over to side one to share it and get their response. And that's the back and forth. Right. And, and everyone's keeping a list of what's been agreed to or what, what's been offered and what the open issues are, and they keep going down the list. And at some point, the mediator will bring both sides back together into the same room to have everyone talk face-to-face -face and agree face-to-face -face on what's been agreed to in the separate rooms. Or to reopen the direct discussions so they can have them talking directly to each other. Or, if things aren't going well, talk about what happens next if they're not going to be able to agree and it's going to end. If there have been any agreements, the mediator will help the two sides write them down and everyone will then sign them. One of the agreements could be to go home, think about it, and come back again in a week or two. A different kind of agreement would be to try something for a while to see if it works to solve the problem and then report back to the mediator if they need to have more sessions. Or the mediator, me, mediation can be just done and over, a success or not, but over. So the agreement that they reach doesn't really need to be final. No, it, it really doesn't. Not in a mediation. It's not like an arbitration or a trial. In mediation, two sides can reach temporary solutions and try them out. What happens if the mediation ends and there is no agreement? All right, well, then they can go to court. Uh, or they can agree to some other way of having their dispute decided. For example, um, they could agree to arbitrate it. Really? So I didn't think about that. You mean they could still try some other way to resolve the problem? That's right. There, there, there are going to be times when it's just not going to be possible for the two sides to agree. Their views are just too far apart to come together. Now, someone's just going to have to make a decision to end the dispute. Someone's going to. That person can be a judge. It can be an independent expert, as we talked about that kind of ADR in the first podcast, or it can be an arbitrator. Okay, so now what happens in arbitration? All right. An arbitration is a lot like a trial. In a both trial and an arbitration, each side gets to make an opening speech. One side calls its witnesses to testify, then the other side calls its witnesses. Each side turns in documents, pictures, other proofs it thinks is important. Each side then gets to make a closing speech, and then everybody goes home to await the decision. Each side's typically represented by a lawyer, but not necessarily, but typically. Each side is allowed to write up their legal arguments for the decider to read after the hearing. And the decider is usually, not always, but usually a lawyer. The decision can be made the same day, or it can be rendered later. It can be just the decision, you win, you lose, and this is the amount you have to pay. Or it can include an explanation, which is called an opinion. Arbitration sounds kind of like a trial with someone else making the final decision. How is it different? Well, there are actually lots of differences. Uh, begin with logistics. Trials happen only in the courthouse only when it's open, and only when the judge says they happen. Arbitrations can happen anywhere. They happen lots of times in office buildings or hotel conference rooms, and in a town that's convenient for everyone, not just the county seat. Everyone's also agreed on the day or days that the hearing will be held, and the time when it'll start, so you're able to clear the dates with everyone who has to be a witness. The parties get to agree to keep going until it's over, or they can agree to stop at some point and resume the next day or some other day. And you can hold the arbitration on a weekend if that's okay with everyone. 
Well, that all sounds pretty good. So an arbitration can also happen a lot faster than in court. Exactly. In court, you have to wait your turn for all the other cases ahead of yours to get to the judge. And it can usually take a year or two after you file your complaint start that started the lawsuit. In arbitration, you can have your hearing next week if everyone's ready to go. And it's not just faster. It's usually cheaper since you haven't had to pay a lawyer for two years before you get there. So what are some other differences? Well, in courts, there are lots of rules that apply about who can say what. They're called rules of evidence. They apply to people and to documents, and sometimes the rules are pretty complicated. So there'll be almost always objections about the admissibility of evidence, arguments, and then decisions. They're pretty strict about those rules because after the trial is over, the side that is lost generally files a list of reasons that they think the decision was wrong. And it's really important then that the official court record be clear about what evidence was allowed and what wasn't. In arbitrations, there usually aren't any motions like that, so the rules of evidence are relaxed. That means there are fewer objections, and the witnesses have a better chance to tell their own stories. Here's one example everyone's heard about, hearsay. Hearsay refers to someone saying something that they heard someone else say, but they don't know it themselves to be true. In court, witnesses are not allowed to give hearsay evidence because juries could get confused by it and give it more weight or importance than it should get. Now, there are lots of exceptions to the hearsay rules, and lawyers and judges argue all the time over whether one exception or another is, applies to any particular example. In arbitration, most everyone's okay with witnesses giving hearsay because they have, they've decided it really won't matter. And why is that? Well, there are two reasons. Well, first, before the arbitration starts, everyone has agreed on whether the arbitrator's decision is going to be final or not. That is whether there won't be any appeal at all, or whether there can be an appeal, and if so, everyone's just going to start over. And this is one of the five key terms that you have to agree to in advance just so you know where you're going, and we talked about that in the second podcast. But either way, there's no need for a formal record for a while the arbitrator ruled one way or the other. Either it's over, 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 or it's going to start over again, brand new. Second, the arbitrator is most likely a lawyer who knows that hearsay evidence is the least reliable kind of evidence and won't give it much weight. And overall, the arbitrator has been picked by everyone for his or her fairness, and that's going to be the bottom line anyway. That's right. The two sides pick the arbitrator. That, that's right. Just like in mediation where you pick the mediator, you do it in arbitration too. You pick the arbitrator. So you just don't get to... You just don't get to pick who your judge is in court. That's someone who's either been elected in an election or appointed by the governor or the president or senator or somebody. Just not you. So the arbitration hearing looks and sounds a lot like a trial. Yeah, it does. Um, witnesses have to swear to tell the truth, just like in court. The lawyer for one side gets to ask the questions, and the lawyer for the other side gets to ask questions, and maybe the arbitrator asks a few questions. This is a big difference from mediation, where you get to talk whenever you want. You do the talking, not necessarily just your attorney. The parties themselves don't get to say a word at arbitrations or trials, except when they are giving their testimony. Exhibits get shown to the witnesses and given to the arbitrator, and the arbitrator then has to decide what they mean. And again, that's different from a mediation, where the mediator tries to get the parties to reach agreements on what the documents mean, because they got to live with them. And finally, in an arbitration, the two sides sum up their cases, the hearing ends, and everyone goes home. All that remains is for the arbitrator to issue the decision. In court, if there was a jury, everyone has to wait for the jury to reach a decision. But after that happens, the lawyers file lots of legal arguments. And if there wasn't a jury, the lawyers still have to file lots of illegal arguments. And either way, there's no rule on how fast the judge has to decide those legal arguments. 
In arbitration, on the other hand, there's no jury, and you can agree in advance on a deadline by which the arbitrator has to make the decision. So in essence, you're saying that an arbitration looks a lot like a trial in court, but is usually less formal and can happen more quickly, uh, and that it ends up in a decision with one side winning and the other side losing? Yeah, uh, or both sides winning something and losing something. But the bottom line is that this independent person, the arbitrator, makes the decisions and the parties are stuck with those decisions. Instead of in a mediation, when the two sides have just been negotiating between themselves the whole time, using the mediator to go back and forth and get to make all the decisions themselves. Exactly right, yep. And both of those ways, mediation and arbitration, give the two sides lots more control over the outcome than just going to court and rolling the dice. Right again, that's exactly right. So are there any other differences you'd like to highlight before we end? Well, I really want to go back to that last point and s stress that mediation is the only way that you can keep control over the outcome. You go to court and it's a jury who knows nothing at all or a judge who may know something but who is done with you and your problems when the case is over and you got to live with the decision. Go to arbitration and it's roughly the same thing but in mediation you decide. You get to work it out. You get to make the deal with the other side, and you keep all your options open. Now go to my website and read why the 10 reasons mediation are better, and then use ADR the next time you hit a wall with someone and you think you're headed to court. Well, Toby, I want to thank you for spending this time with me talking about ADR. We did three of these podcasts uh, in this series on alternative dispute resolution, and I know this information will be very helpful to our community association members. For more information on this and other topics related to the management and governance of your condominium or homeowner associations, please visit our website at www.cai-padelval.org. And of course, please reach out to Toby with Just Resolutions at www.justresolutionsnepa.com or by email at tobyoxholm. T-O-B-E-Y-O-X-H-O-L-M at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and check out our other podcasts on our website.